I... I can't turn invisible fast enough. How can we stop this creature, Torch? <sighs> Just wait and see, sister. The Fantastic Four have only begun to fight. The three of you can't do it alone. It's time for the thing to take a hand. It'll take more than ropes to keep Mr. Fantastic out of action. Here they are. Dr. Reed Richards, Ben Grimm, Susan Storm, Johnny Storm. The Fantastic Four! You are listening to Danger Room, the X-Men Comics commentary podcast. I'm Adam. My name is Jeremy. This week we are doing Fantastic Four number 28. What? The... What? what? <laughs> Fantastic Four 28? Did we... I know. It's crazy. Did we change formats here? <laughs> no, we've been doing Fantastic Four all along. I thought we were doing the X-Men. <laughs> oh, wait a minute. This issue this is guest the, uh... stars the X-Men. Indeed. This is the July 1964 issue of Fantastic Four. Uh, and we decided to do it just because it guest stars the X-Men. And um, I noticed that it, it was mentioned at the, uh, at, the, on the, at the end of the letters page of the last issue. So I thought, hey, why don't we do this too? Mm-hmm. And I agree. The X-Men are, are uh, heavily featured in this issue. So I think as we progress, uh, the larger guest appearances by the X-Men uh, will, will probably be covered in this podcast. So there. Definitely. Deal with it. So that we can get a true linear view of the X-Men. Not really, though, because we're not going to do those back in time and classic X-Men things. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) So anyways, we're doing Fantastic Four number 28. It's the X. You know, I don't know much about the Fantastic Four, but it seems like every cover of theirs, they're fighting some large blobby type creature. (laughs) And this cover is no different, except it has the X-Men on it as well. Um, yeah, the Fantastic Four is, uh, I, I never really got into them until, uh, strangely enough, like after Chris Claremont took over. Chris Claremont wrote for the Fantastic Four? Yeah. Uh, there was that whole onslaught thing and then that was Mm. followed by the reborn thing where, uh, Jim Lee and Rob Liefeld started writing all the, the main Marvel comics. Oh, so, so this is kind of in my era when I was still reading comic books. Uh, possibly. I mean, this is this is after the '90s. This is oh. like the late, the late '90s. You mean Lee and Liefeld came back? Yeah, after wow. being in Image for a while, they came back, and then there were actually some Image crossovers, which were lame. Okay. And then that was like they rebooted the Fantastic Four, the Avengers, Captain America, and then that lasted like a year, and then they rebooted them again. Oh, and uh, a few issues in, Chris Claremont took over. And that's when I started reading the Fantastic Four, and I actually really liked them. Okay. And uh, I went back and I reread the first ten issues, the Stan Lee issues, and they were great. Yes, just like the first few issues of the X-Men are great. No, they're actually much better than the first few issues of the X-Men. Are you kidding me? Okay, all right. I I highly recommend the first ten issues of Fantastic Four. Okay. Uh, I'm sold. I will will pick those (laughs) up and I will read those. They're 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 a strange, bizarre quality to them. I I don't know. Maybe it's because it's his uh, Stanley's kind of uh, popped his cherry, his superhero cherry with the Fantastic. Yeah, World. yeah. Maybe because he was able to focus on just those. Sure. So this one has the Mad Thinker, the Puppet Master, and the Awesome Android, and uh, whatever the the guy on the cover is apparently the Awesome Android, but he looks like a blob and whatever. <laughs> Uh, So let's jump right in. Uh, This issue is titled, We Have to Fight the X-Men. 
And it's written by Stan Lee. The mm. leader. The leader. Drawn by Jack Kirby. The king. Mm-hmm. Inked by Chick Stone. Oh. The master. He does not, he or she does not ink the X-Men. So we have a new <laughs> uh, talent in this issue. Actually, I think starting in the next issue, he does. <laughs> Son of a... All right. <laughs> and it's also lettered by Art Simek. That guy letterer. must have been busy lettering there. This... <laughs> <clears throat> so they're uh, in the uh, Fantastic Four mansion reading about the X-Men's exploits. Yes, and uh, Alicia has uh, created a brand new statue of the thing. She is uh, She's a blind uh, artist. Sculptor who... who... Yes, sculptor. Now... Uh, uh, was she in and Ben an item uh, prior to the space accident? Uh, no, okay. uh, she actually met Ben. Oh, oh, afterwards. Cause, yeah, yeah, because she's the stepdaughter or something of the thinker or the puppet master or something. Yeah, like that. yeah exactly. Yeah. Okay, okay. All right, just getting caught up on my Fantastic Four lore here, folks. <laughs> Bear with me. Um, I think her last name is Masters, her, Alicia Masters, and her father is the puppet master, and that's just oh. weird. Her name definitely is Alicia Masters. I remember that because uh, I don't know if you ever played the Marvel superheroes game as a kid, but uh, she was listed as one of the non-player characters, and they went through all of her bio and everything like that. Huh. They had like Aunt May's stats, if you can imagine that, and Alicia <laughs> Masters and other, I don't know, uh, uh, J. Jonah Jameson, et cetera. Just I don't know why, but they had stats. So they're reading about the X-Men. Ben's carrying his statue that Alicia has uh, carved or sculpted for him. And I guess that's how it worked back then, right? Like, since he is all ugly and rocky, like, she can get past that because she's blind. Exactly. Good for her. (laughs) (laughs) So on page two, I I guess the thing I don't understand about the X, uh, not the X, the Fantastic Four is it it seems to me that comic books would appear, uh, appeal to the teenage demographic. And the Fantastic Four just seem like old people. Like you got Reed Richards with his little white sideburns, and then you've got Sue Storm there with that big uh, June Cleaver haircut there. Yeah, I think that was just more a sign of the times than anything. I mean, the Fantastic Four were not adults at this point. Well, they flew a spaceship into into the moon or whatever they did. Yeah, they, they, they don't just let teenagers kind of, do that. Yeah, well, yeah, it was a weird time. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Why does he have the gray hair? It doesn't matter. Okay, so they're reading about the X-Men, and they're spending a lot of uh, panels reading about the X-Men. Yes, and uh, they talk about the foes that the X-Men have defeated, Magneto and the Space Phantom. Yes. Which is an error. Oh, did you do some research? I did some research. Okay. The Avengers defeated the Space Phantom in Avengers number two. Oh, so Stanley is just writing so fast he can't even keep track no, of which no. team is I which? I think he did it on purpose, and it's Sue Storm's mistake. Oh, get <laughs> out of here. <laughs> I'm going to write depth into my characters. No, I think Stanley made a mistake. So anyways, uh, it looks like Johnny Storm has met up with uh, Robert Drake uh, in Strange Tales number 120. Yes, which uh, I, I read. Did you happen to read it? I I did not. Oh, I, I, I did send it to you. Yeah. Oh, okay. But uh, I, will, I will briefly yes, uh, fill us uh, in. summarize it. Uh, it's in, it's, it's called the torch meets Iceman and, uh, it involves the, uh, Iceman gets bummed out because the angel is going on a date with, uh, Jean Grey. Oh, I never is, knew that. Yeah. Yeah. It's something completely different. Yeah. And then, uh, so he goes out on this kind of pleasure cruise where there's supposed to be a lot of girls there and he hopes he can meet somebody and he hits on a girl that happens to be dating Johnny Storm. 
And then this character, the Barracuda, shows up, and he's a pirate, and it's yeah. really, really lame. <laughs> okay. So it, and uh, and then they both use their powers to help defeat the the Barracuda and his pirate gang. Oh, oh, and then they go back to the cabin and they have a big three way with his girlfriend, right? No, 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 oh. not at all. <laughs> <laughs> a fire um, ice threesome. Yes, it's both hot and cold. Mm-mm. No threesome. And uh, they they leave basically saying that you know oh uh, the torch was really great and uh, they they identify with each other because they're both teenagers and and they're and, elements. The tor- yeah, exactly. The torch is really impressed by Iceman, and Iceman is sad as he walks away because he leaves alone. <laughs> I guess. I guess I wish I would have read that only for the aspect of Angel going out on a date with uh, Marvel Girl, because well, that, that's like one panel. Well, but, but still, it yeah. does, it doesn't matter because, like, I mean, do they call it a date? Yes, and oh. they call it a date. And Bobby refers to the fact that Cyclops has also got on on dates with her. Oh. Put on your dressiest duds, dream girl, and we'll go out stepping. Oh, I'll be with you in two shakes, Warren. Gosh, Professor X, whenever I get up the nerve to ask Jean for a date, the angel or Cyclops or somebody beats me to it. Mm-hmm. Wow, so it seems just, like everybody's dating Marvel They're girl. just tossing her back and forth. Meanwhile, the professor's like, yeah, you and me both, buddy. I'm <laughs> with you. Wow, because in, in my understanding of the X-Men, the only person that ever had any sort of romantic encounter with Marvel Girl was Cyclops, except right. for like a brief like uh, questioning of feelings in uh, one of the X-Factors after Angel lost his wings. Hmm. There was some sympathy from uh, Jean Grey to the Angel, but I, I, I wow, wow. I, I, I'm intrigued to read it. Just for those couple of panels alone. The rest of it sounds kind of boring. <laughs> All right, so... Uh, it, it's fun. You know, they get, a, they get to use their powers, and, and there's a whole bunch of ice things, and sure. they, they dump uh, this torch in the water, and he loses his powers. And then he gets up atop of the steam engine and reheats himself up, and it's fun. Oh. Entertaining. All right. Mm-hmm. Do you have any idea where within the X-Men's chronology that falls? Uh, no. Okay. Before this issue of Clearly. Fantastic Four 28. Right. Uh, it, it, it was probably in the early days. It seems like they didn't have any major foes yet. Okay. Okay. Uh, also, I decided, uh, I, I read, I, I decided to read a couple of other, other brief issues that guest starred the X-Men. Okay. Uh, Tales of Suspense number 49 was Iron Man meets the Angel. Basically, the angel gets hit by a radioactive, a deadly atomic explosion <laughs> when Iron Man is doing some sort of tests at his factory. Okay. And uh, he turns evil. And he goes back to the X-Men and he says, I'm going to leave. I'm going to join the evil mutants. So he, he does that. The X-Men fight him, but he escapes. And then he goes out on town trying to committing all these foul deeds, trying to get evil mutants to be like hey join us but they're afraid of him because they already know that he's the angel and uh iron man is able to get his powers back and by by tricking him him into saving his life (laughs) oh okay so and in the end they are like oh you're a really good guy iron man and you're a really good guy uh angel and professor x is like at first he thinks oh I thought I failed with you, Angel, because you turned evil, but it turns out that my X-Men training program is successful. Mm. Not even under the influence of atomic radiation. (laughs) Wow, you'd think that there'd be lasting effects to that atomic radiation. Now, where in the chronology does that fall, or do you not know? Uh, It definitely falls after uh, Avengers number two. Okay. 
Okay. Um, because of Avengers number three, Iron Man switches his armor over to mm. this new kind of almost current armor. Okay, from the gray to the... Yeah, from the big hulking yep. to the, tin to suit. To the orange and yellow type suit? Yeah, okay. exactly. Okay. Okay. And then in Avengers number three, uh, Iron Man shows up during a training session of the X-Men, and this is like a quick couple of panels, and uh, asks if they know the whereabouts of the Hulk. Oh. And he says, since I talked to Angel before, uh, he said, if I ever had, uh, if I ever needed help, that I could come to you guys. Wow. And uh, Professor X is like, yeah, okay, we're training. Get out of here. <laughs> <laughs> That's crazy. I never uh, actually thought about Iron Man and the X-Men ever talking or having yeah. any interactions within the Marvel Universe. I mean, obviously they exist in the same universe, but... All of my readings have never put those characters together. Same thing with the Hulk I, and the X-Men. Well, I guess Wolverine. Assuming but. it's because they, uh, they, they both flew that Iron Man hung out with the Angels, and then you put the <sighs> elemental guys together. Of course. And... Sure. So that was, uh, that was a brief recapturing of what's been going on with the X-Men outside of the oh, X-Men continuity. Fantastic. Back to Fantastic Four. And so Ben continues to admire his statue and talks about <laughs> the puppet master... Which upsets Alicia because it's her father. And somehow the, be- er, the beast, somehow the thing forgot <laughs> that that would be possibly a sore subject that her stepfather was an evil person. Yeah, well, I don't know. I think she's being a little sensitive here. She is being a little melodramatic, but come on. Ben Grimm is supposed to be a little bit smarter and a little bit wiser than that. I know that they portray him as the dumb one, but he was one of the astronauts, so he can't be that dumb. That's true. I, I think he's always kind of portrayed himself as a big hulking dumb guy, but he's actually pretty smart. So uh, then we switch to exactly 12 seconds to four. Oh, man. <laughs> Everybody in the Marvel Universe is in, talking in 12 seconds or you're in second increments here. Well, here we, we, we are introduced to the thinker. I mean, uh, if you're not familiar with the Fantastic Four, you were introduced to the thinker who is kind of a ridiculous villain in that he is able to plot out the details of his his enemies down to the seconds. Oh, okay, so hence the 12 seconds. But he's also able to, well, we'll find out later, but come up with like the the approximate looks of somebody. Yeah, exactly. I I guess his he's the mad thinker and his power is that he thinks. <laughs> I can think real good. <laughs> And he thinks so good that he can figure out details and all sorts of stuff like that. So we get into the Mad Thinker's lair. Where we meet his android that was created by Mr. Fantastic. Yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, I, never, I haven't read Fantastic Four 15, so I'm not familiar with how that happened. I'm guessing that uh, he, he made the android in issue 15. Yeah. <laughs> That's and, what and I'm going for. The Mad Thinker stole it. it clearly. uh yeah uh reed richards invents a lot of things that get stolen like didn't he invent the ultimate nullifier which was then stolen by from somebody else i don't know are you familiar with the ultimate nullifier oh yeah that's yeah that's the uh the thing that took down galactus yeah yeah yeah. i don't remember it ever getting stolen Uh. but that doesn't mean it wasn't okay so anyways uh maybe it wasn't maybe i just made that up so the Mad Thinker's got a plan, and he's invited the Puppet Master in. He needs the Puppet Master's puppet molding ability to manufacture a, a sculpt. I, oh, he has similar powers to, or he has similar, he's a sculptor like Alicia. I'd never noticed that. That's interesting. Oh, sure. Um, 
he is sculpting a facsimile. Yes, a facsimile of Professor X um, based on the thinker's thoughts of what he thinks he (laughs) might look like. What I want to know here, though, is he calls him out by name. He says, I want you to fashion a puppet of Professor X using your magical radioactive clay. So, I mean, everybody's got a code name, right? But is Professor X, is he out there like, I'm a hero and my name is Professor X. I'm I don't know. I, I'm not related that, to that Professor Xavier guy. The mad thinker was probably watching TV the day that Professor X took on the vanish the vanisher in front of Washington D.C. But then he would know exactly what the uh, he looked like, and not just uh, an approximation of what he looked like. Well, you know, TV in the '60s was sketchy. Oh, of course. <laughs> Might have been. It was in black and white, and maybe a little fuzzy. Rabbit ears weren't quite twisted the correct way. I don't know, perhaps he was thinking about it so hard, he was like, X-Men, X-Men, I bet their leader is named Professor X. Sure, well, okay. So anyways, the puppet master fashions a facsimile sculpture of the professor, down to the suit level. Using special, yeah, (laughs) using special radioactive clay. Mm -hmm. This will allow the mad thinker to take over the brain of Professor X. It's a brilliant plan, really, if you think about it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so the professor is at his writing desk when all of a sudden he feels that somebody is trying to exercise mental control. I can feel it. And there's a battle of wits going back and forth. He, uh, he, t- he keeps, attempts to resist. He keeps putting on more clay. and um, So apparently... At some point he says, If you change the ratio by one thousandth of a degree, <laughs> you'll upset all my prearranged calculations. So yeah. the mad thinker is like really detailed. I'm wondering why he didn't just put all that clay in in the first place because it's like in that one f- uh, panel in page four, he's just scooping it in. <laughs> kind of without, you know, without a little uh, scale or anything. But yeah, yeah, yeah. So a thousandth he, of a degree... He got excited. Uh, the Mad Thinker jumped the gun and tried to take over him a little early. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, the professor resists for a few p- pains, but then by the fourth panel, he is under control. And it works. So now the Mad Thinker and uh, Puppet Master have control over Professor X, and Professor X brings the X-Men to him to dun-dun-dun, find the Fantastic Four and destroy them. But first we're treated to a new costume of Marvel Girls, which is inexplicably introduced in this issue. Yeah. (laughs) Which is fine because I actually am not a big fan of the scalp-covering X-Men costumes. I got to imagine that this was just easy for Jack Kirby to draw because he doesn't have to deal with hair all the time. But they all kind of look the same, and... I just don't like it. I like it much better when they do the thing with the hair popping out or whatever. Just something to give it a little bit more detail. So I'm a fan of uh, of Marvel Girl's little cat-like uh, uh, face mask, whatever you want to call it. Is this maybe the first fun. appearance of like the, the Wolverine fins or whatever you want to call those? <laughs> yeah. Because almost every costume ends up having those in, in the end. But So there's Marvel Girl, and, and finally we get to see her hair, and uh, that's that's nice. That's good. And this is where I start to question uh, the professor's tutelage of critical thinking. (laughs) (laughs) Because the professor invites the X-Men in and says, I want you to find the the Fantastic Four, trap them, and destroy them. And I have to imagine, we've already established that the X-Men have been X-Men for at least a year due to the birthday cake that they just had. And they passed their test by defeating the evil mutants that the professor would say something like that and the X-Men would be like, what the hell? 
<laughs> and there is a little head scratching, but then they get on the helicopter and they take off to the Baxter building. Yeah, I, I guess they uh, they trust him. Either that or they fear him. Yeah, but do you trust somebody who's like, oh, I'll decide that. Remember the power of my mutant brain. Uh, I guess he is predicting that the Fantastic Four are planning world domination. But again, critical thinking. The Fantastic Four <laughs> have been around longer than the X-Men. I mean, before you go down to take down the Fantastic Four, aren't you going to go down there and maybe just kind of check it out a little bit? Well, they kind of do. I mean, they're, they they helicopter out to the Fantastic Four, and they, mm-hmm. they, there's clearly some uneasiness about it. Yeah. With all of their little thought balloons. You know, Cyclops, as much as I hate to do it. There's a little uh, hidden lesbianism going on between the two ladies because they're both complimenting each other. Well, this is the 60s. Come on, dude. You're even <laughs> lovelier than the picture. Oh, oh, so they're going to go out and experiment later? No. Come on, baby. It's cool. <laughs> Free love. Well, it's 60, what is it, 1969? 64? Women, women compliment each other all the time, and it's okay. Nah. <laughs> Get your head out of the gutter. <laughs> They're just experimenting. There's nothing dirty about it. <laughs> all right, so they, yeah, there's a little meeting there. And uh, Ben Grimm just grabs Angel's wings. <laughs> yeah, he does. Mighty sharp wings you got there, sonny. Let me break those. By the way, I'm made out of rock, and your, your wings are made out of hollow feathers and bone. Uh, yes. So they start showing the uh, Cyclops around, and uh, Cyclops sees this machine that Fantas- uh, Mr. Fantastic is working on and and just zaps it Yeah, using his power rays. Uh, and then he starts shooting at Reed Richards. I can't imagine that the professor's training, even though he was ordered to do this, would prompt him to react in such a manner. <laughs> I, I don't know. It just, seems, it just seems out of character to me. But yeah, he starts blasting everything in sight. Apparently, he has a widescreen force beam that can hold back flame. Yes. Which is an, it has a new power. Again, he's got uh, immaculate control over his power, even though he's always <laughs> complaining about it. Yes, he's able to spread out his fire, his eye beams to, to hold back flames. Meanwhile, in the other room, uh, Marvel Girl starts attacking the thing by tossing around her his, the statue that Alicia made and mm-hmm. ends up destroying it accidentally. Uh, yeah, and she she destroys it. Yeah, she <laughs> apologizes. What a jerk! <laughs> she she apologizes, and then they go at it. Oh yeah! Oh no no! They uh, she spins <laughs> him around with her telekinetic powers. Uh, yeah, Sue Storm is not in this frame. Uh, yeah, so uh, then Sue Storm appears, and she needs to find out what's happening, and she's concerned about Marvel Girl. See, there's something going on there. Angel sneaks up on her and. Iceman traps her legs in with some a, sort of with an ice lasso. lasso. Yeah, man, he likes those lassos. <laughs> and this is kind of where it falls apart for me. Uh, Fan, Mister Fantastic here on page nine comes bouncing in like a big super ball. Well, he does that. That's one of his. It's he does that quite frequently. Actually, is that his trademark? Wow. To me, that's just a goofy, goofy, goofy thing. He doesn't do that in modern day comics, does he? Occasionally, I mean, he he is rubber. He can turn into a rubber ball. He is the elastic man. He is uh... He's plastic man. I'm not <laughs> a fan of Mister Fantastic. I gotta I gotta admit, his power is just too goofy for me. I think what I like about the Fantastic Four is not necessarily the individuals, but the dynamic of the team. Because frankly, I don't care for any of the characters on their own. Uh huh. Um, but I like them as a unit. Okay. Beast joins the fight. Taking on Mr. Fantastic. He rides who, uh, him like a carnival ball. He rides the, yeah. 
But then Mr. Fantastic doesn't he 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 wraps him up in his little rubber shoots beast across the room it looks like. Well, he's made out of rubber, right? Oh, he yeah. does he makes him like a little rubber slingshot where he flips him over and I don't know. <laughs> it doesn't seem like he would be able to actually generate that much force, but he does and the the beast goes flying. But that's okay because the beast is the beast and he's he's quite the acrobat. Mostly it seems like Mr. Fantastic is being evasive and not wanting to fight them. Well, he's um, tr- he is using his critical thinking, and he's saying, "If exactly. only I could learn their motives and why they're fighting us." Yeah, yeah. So I yeah, guess he, the Fantastic Four are a little bit more mature than the X Men. Yeah, yeah. Mister Fantastic is the smartest Marvel superhero, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm with you. Marvel Girl sees the Beast and the Thing collide, uh, and then the Thing captures her, and the Beast jumps on her and him. Just grabs her by the belt. It yeah. looks like. Yeah, yeah. Actually, yeah. He's got his hand hooked into her belt. Swinging her around, and the nice man drops some ice on his face and some ice cubes on his, on his feet. feet. Yeah, Cyclops in the other room keeps on taking out the machine. He just keeps and, shooting at big machines. Or is it the yeah. same machine? I'll show you, machine. Reed Richards at this point is like, well, okay, something weird's going on, and we better, we better surrender just to see what's going on. Mm-hmm. It's a good plan. Thing gets free. He's ready to do his, it's clobbering time, the classic thing line does he say that every and, issue uh, i don't know okay probably probably not but you know every so often he whips out the classic sure it's clobbering time but uh mr fantastic says hang on hold on to that clobbering time thing we got to find out what's <laughs> going on somehow even though they were fighting the fantastic four managed to end up in a room by themselves oh i guess mine is sue storm which they put into a closet is that a closet or a locker oh it's a locker you're right it's a locker so they're locking her in a locker it's a portable locker, but so um, everybody has pretty much been able to use their powers here, except for her. Through this entire fight, she has not done a single thing other than say, "Oh, oh Marvel Sue girl, Storm? what are you doing?" Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Sue Storm in the original Fantastic Four was not a sample of feminism. Oh, okay, women's lib. What about at the bottom of page eleven on that last panel? Marvel Girl seems to have one of those little Halloween straps that's actually holding her mask on. Where do you see that? Yeah, it may not be in yours. That's why I'm wondering if it's in your edition. On her hair, there's like a vertical line that kind of looks like a string holding her mask on. Huh, they cut it out. Oh, okay. Maybe it's because it's it very... silly looking. Yeah, in my, <laughs> in my, uh, I'm, I'm reading the uh, Fantastic Four Omnibus, and uh, there is no strap. Okay, so this is the original scans from the 2005 collection. Hmm. The X-Men leave in a helicopter mm-hmm. demanding – they take the Sue Storm prisoner and they are demanding that the Fantastic Four follow them. They want to They want to take them somewhere – I guess it's part of Professor X's plan. Where, right. Where, yep. This is where they will take care of them. Right, right, right. Uh, so they do? The Fantastic Four do some regrouping av- after the X-Men leave, discovering that they politely moved Alicia aside and mm-hmm. therefore – the proving Mr. Fantastic re- thinks that uh, they are being peaceful, mm-hmm. that there's something something odd is up. Something's amiss. So they get in their uh, Fantastic Four jet copter and follow them out to... This must be before the Fantastic Car. I don't know. <laughs> are you familiar they, with the Fantastic Car? Oh, yeah, of oh, course. Okay, okay, but okay. The, the, uh, the Fantastic Four have all sorts of doohickeys. I feel, I'm betting the Fantastic Four Car was in like within the first three issues. Okay, okay. So they're in a different type of fantastic ship. Yeah. <laughs> they go out to the, what is what area is this? A barren ridge uh, out in the kind of a mountainous area. Mm-hmm. They land, and apparently they don't know what they're supposed to do now. 
<laughs> right. The X-Men, Waiting for orders from Professor X. The X-Men have already landed. The Fantastic Four are landing, and they don't know what to do. But then Professor X beams in his thoughts and says, you are to battle them again and completely subdue them. That is all. Again, more <laughs> more critical thinking would be advised here, which they try to do in one panel. But why, sir? This doesn't make any sense. But then they start fighting. I don't know. I, yeah, it looks like mostly that uh, a bunch of traps have been set specifically for the Fantastic Four. Oh, and uh, Sue Storm on the first panel here on page 14, she finally gets to use her power to trap Marvel Girl. She, she's got a thing for Marvel Girl. <laughs> and look at that pose she's got her stuck in in her shield. Oh, yeah. You know what's going to happen next. Oh, All right. <laughs> so Cyclops blasts the thing, but the thing falls through a hole. His greatest nemesis. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, Reed Richards, he gets caught up by a, a, a garden hose winder, <laughs> which is also his greatest nemesis. So he's all tangled up and can't move. It's spinning him around. And then um, Sue Storm gets sidetracked by Reed being trapped. Stanley and, runs out of ideas, so they just throw tarps over uh, the torch and uh, the invisible girl. Which apparently, uh, tarps are the only thing that can defeat those two. <laughs> <laughs> I guess it kind of makes sense for both of them. I mean, they're, they, they've they got to be like, oh yeah, they say they're asbestos-covered straitjackets. Sure. Oh, so they're also going to get mesophilioma as well. <laughs> All right, so... It'll probably just enhance their powers. <laughs> oh, I'm sure it will, yes. Oh, I can get more invisible. So the gears start grinding, and out of the ground come the Puppet Master and the Mad Thinker. Uh, with the android in the background. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's when the X-Men were finally clued in on what's going on. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, oh, wait, you mean we've been manipulated? We weren't really <laughs> supposed to fight the Fantastic Four? Way to go, X-Men. But now at this point they can't do anything because they have Professor X prisoner. Puppet mm-hmm. Master uses Professor X to telekinetically control the X-Men telepathically to sleep telepathically yes. yes you must obey and they fall asleep and the X-Men fall asleep except for Beast because he has a stronger brain that doesn't make any sense <laughs> he's the smartest one okay fine so and he's been the most critical so far that's true you're right that's he's true. always the one who's saying this just doesn't seem right all the other X-Men are just like let's go let's get him so he atta- This is not a very good like uh primer for the X-Men. If I was reading the Fantastic 4 and this was my first intro to the X-Men, uh, I'd be like these guys are really dumb. I would think that they were a bunch of idiots as well. They have <laughs> first of all they have silly costumes and second of all they're not very bright. Beast tackles Puppet Master and manages to step on the Professor X sculpture that he created thereby freeing the professor. And at the same time Benjamin is able to stop his descent into his hole and is able to punch his way out. Yep. <laughs> and then he frees Mr. Fantastic mm-hmm. and uh, and also the Human Torch. And then together they free Sue Storm. Is Mr. So Fantastic, <laughs> is Mr. Fantastic able to infinitely stretch here? Yeah. I mean, his, his, his power, I believe, is... I, I've never seen like a limitation to his stretching ability because there's a seems sure. there, there seems to be a lot of him in this panel. <laughs> yeah, there there generally is quite a lot of him. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> I, I'm sure there is a limit, but I couldn't tell you what it is. All right, so the Fantastic Four are free. They they tear off the asbestos, which you're never supposed to do. I mean, you're supposed to really <laughs> be delicate with asbestos because that stuff that stuff just hangs in the air, you know. And uh, yeah, so but they get out and uh, they attack the android and the thinker and the thinker's got a gun 
Yeah, which is which is different. And the the android here, he seems to be growing, or is he always this size? I think he's always this size because he doesn't it's seem big. to be this big in the very first page of this comic book. Oh well, because right now he's about <laughs> triple the size of all the other characters. Maybe he does grow. Okay, I'm going to go with that. Mr. Fantastic's pretty bright. Maybe he invented an android that can grow at will. Yeah, we'll, we'll go with that. All right, so they, they there's a lot of ice on the next page. Yeah, the android has the power to steal the powers of oh, anybody who's attacking him. So okay. he steals Iceman's powers. Yeah, he does, and he throws it at uh, the torch, and the torch falls to the ground, shattered in ice. And Marvel Girl attempts to knock him over, Kinda and Cyclops finishes the job. Kind of looks like Marvel Girl's cowering. Oh, that's because she's trying too hard. Oh, yeah, it's she's, so she's, hard. she's having like a brain embolism there. Nobody else in this comic book is complaining except for her. <laughs> well, her powers hurt her. Uh, yeah. So Cyclops knocks him over, and then uh, Sue Storm. Sue Storm contains him in an invisible force field. At which point uh, the thing runs in and, and knocks him over. So that's a good use of teamwork there uh, from two different yeah. teams. Yeah. Unfortunately, the android steals the power of Ben's rockiness mm-hmm. and knocks Ben over. Mm-hmm. And then Professor X doing an essential mind wipe of sorts. <laughs> Basically <laughs> saving the day. the android. <laughs> yeah. Wakes up from his little possession and then has the, I don't know, the wherewithal or the fortitude to reach out and find the mind of an android and freeze it. So apparently Which, the android well, is sentient. I'm going to have to say that, you know, it's partially because the android's mind is so simple that the professor is able to do this. But, but uh, I love this sequence of panels, these three panels of, like, the Professor X with his head in his hands and then this, like, kind of medium shot of the Professor X gazing into the audience and then this extreme close-up with these little waves coming out of his head and he's just, like, this intense look on his face. You could almost picture it cinematically. It's impressive. I, yeah, this is, this, that's probably uh, my favorite bit from this comic. Oh, okay. Cyclops picks up Jean and assures her that it's over and that they've won because Jean <laughs> is the only one that's passed out. Yeah. They attempt to go after the Mad Thinker and the Puppet Master. Beast goes after them, and uh, unfortunately they manage to escape. Yep. But because the Mad Thinker always has an alternate plan. Oh, well, because he's always thinking. Exactly. He blames the Puppet Master for allowing the puppet to be smashed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the X-Men regroup and uh, talk about how they lost them. Yeah, they apologize to the Fantastic Four. So the X-Men have been through this horrible ordeal where the Professor X, or Professor X has been commanding and shouting and giving them strange orders. And then before like the Fantastic Four and the X-Men can go out for a beer or a soda or a shake or whatever <laughs> they do in the 60s, he says, your deal is ended, X-Men. Return to me now. You know, if, if, you're, if you've gone through this ordeal, if I was the professor, I'd be like, hey, man, why don't you take that helicopter, take the Fantastic Four, and go have some fun. Here's some quarters. Go play some pinball. <laughs> Here's the thing is that, like, the X-Men are just a bunch of teens, and, and they worship the professor, and they do, like, whatever he wants, and it's just... I don't think that's healthy. <laughs> no, no, it's, it's not at all, and, and it's very improper of the professor, really. So the Fantastic Four, uh, well, Mr. Fantastic... <laughs> this is really weird. Mr. Fantastic says, they're a wonderful group. Makes you feel proud of the youngsters. Sue Storm's like, I wonder who they really are. I mean, like, who cares? <laughs> <laughs> like, it's, oh, it's the, one of them's the senator from the state, and the other one's that TV anchor. Like, who are they? 
Uh, Scott Summers and Bobby Drake. Oh, really? No way. I would have never suspected those two. But then the thing sees right through it, and he thinks that they're just a bunch of freak shows. <laughs> uh, so does this mean that uh, Mr. Fantastic is able to take back his android? That's what it looks like. Oh, it's strange, Reed. You originally made the android to help mankind, but the Mad Thinger turned it into a menace. Well, that's deep, Johnny Storm. That's real deep. <laughs> that's the irony of science, Johnny. That's probably not how Mr. Fantastic talks. <laughs> Anyways, uh, so they wonder if they'll ever meet the X-Men again. Another interesting thing is that Johnny Storm met Bobby Drake, but did not figure out that he was Iceman. Get out of here. Wait, what? In that, um, in that what was it, uh, Strange Tales 120? Johnny Storm as Johnny Storm met Bobby Drake. Right. And then Bobby Drake changed his costume to the Iceman and... Like, he didn't make the connection that they were the same. Uh, but so the Fantastic Four are public with their identities, right? Yes. Okay, and that's, like, very front and foremost in the in the comics, as I recall. Whereas the X-Men are keeping their identities secret for, at this point, we don't know why, but in the future we'll we'll understand why a little bit better. Iceman knew that Johnny Storm was the torch, though, right? Yeah. Uh, well, Bobby Bobby Drake hits on his, his girlfriend, as I mentioned before, mm-hmm. and... Um, that's when Johnny Storm shows up and says, hey, 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 lay off my lady. Okay, I got you. You know, she's all polite about it. Oh, he wasn't hitting on me. He was just being polite. Okay. <laughs> well, then, there you go. My impressions of the issue. It was a quick read. Yeah, a lot of action. A lot of action, but it didn't seem so mired down in useless dialogue. I mean, there was some of it because it's that style of writing from that time right. period. But it seems that even like the most action-sequenced issues of the X-Men are still just heavily bogged down with unnecessary dialogue. I mean, I think I cranked through this issue in maybe, I don't know, 15 minutes or so, whereas like a typical X-Men comics, it's like 20 minutes of like 20, 25 minutes of chewing through that dialogue. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> so, but I mean, as far as like progressing the story forward, it does nothing for me. Yeah, well, it actually makes me lose a little bit of respect for the X Men because they come <laughs> off as such, you know, such idiots to the Fantastic Four. But at this point in the, their career, I have very little respect for the X Men. I mean, they're completely <laughs> relying on Professor X. Professor X is a jerk. Mm-hmm. This is just par for the course. An adulterous jerk at that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Although he hasn't committed any acts. Well, no, he's, but... He's just creepily lusting. <laughs> Isn't lust a sin? So anyways, unless I miss my mark, X-Men number six will be next week. We'll be back with the X-Men, indeed. There we go. We will be back with the X-Men. And I think it's quite a while before we have another major crossover, so don't be expecting any of these fancy schmancy special episodes anytime soon. So there you have it. Folks, send us some iTunes reviews if you have the time. It uh, helps people learn about the show, read about the show, find out about the show. Email us at DangerRoom at RedCatProductions.com and visit us at RedCatProductions.com slash DangerRoom. And there you can click on the iTunes link or any of the episodes or all of the episodes. And there's a little comment button and uh, email buttons and so many different ways to get a hold of us, as well as a whole bunch of other material on that website that you can peruse through. Yeah, let us know because we want to. We want to know uh, you like what we're doing. I mean, we're not going to stop doing it. I no, mean, it doesn't matter way, what you but... say. But <laughs> you know, if there's a format change, or maybe we're hitting something too hard, or maybe I've made too many jokes about the seconds. You know, who knows? You know, just get, <laughs> let us know, and uh, you know, we'll we'll tailor as we go through. Yeah, yeah. 
So uh, until next time, the danger room is closed. <laughs> <laughs>